0: Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about love and abundance. I'm delighted to welcome special guest, Dr. Varun Gandhi. Varun is an entrepreneur, humanitarian, coach, and the host of the podcast, What's Your Story? You can learn more about Dr. Varun at his website, drvarungandhi.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Varun. I'm so glad that you could join with me today.
1: Thank you so much, Linda. I love and abundance, everyone. And before, I, before we start, I want to do one quick thing. Of course. I want. So I, what I've realized is that most people are dehydrated. They don't drink enough water. Uh, so I want to take a moment for everyone, whoever's listening in right now and are able to, please pick up your water bottle and let's take a swig of water right now on it.
0: All right. Here we go. Perfect. What an excellent way to begin. We should always do that.
1: I love that intro because, uh, you know, one thing I've realized is that most uh, medicine that's out there is treating the, 20, uh, the 25% of our body, which is the solid portion, water goes directly into the 75% because our body is 75% water. And that right there is going directly into replenish, replenishing that 75%.
0: Isn't that amazing? What an incredible thought. So the idea of drinking enough water, which is something that is free... And it is something that people don't even think about when they go to the doctor or when they go to take care of things. It is a beautiful, simple way to do things. In studying mental health and emotional health and well-being, it makes a huge difference if your brain is dehydrated by even 1%. It affects your mood. It affects you know, how the brain functions. And yet, usually we pop a pill and may, we may use a drink of water to pop the pill, but we don't think of just taking a drink of water. So, what a clever thing to begin with.
1: Thank you, you know, I got this from a book that was written in the late eighties and the nineties, and they had done an experiment in in a jail in Iran. Uh, this doctor he was in he was uh, jailed uh, in prison, and he saw a lot of sick people, and all he did was give them water and within days, within hours, their sickness just went away. They were immediately better, and he realized that there's a whole paradigm shift that needs to happen. Uh, Instead of focusing, like you said, the pills, the pills only take care of the 25% of our solid portion. But if you drink water, it's 75% and you could get rid of 80% of your diseases.
0: Wow. What a cool thing to be thinking about. Perhaps you've watched the video Billions in Change by the guy who created the five-hour energy drink and all those beautiful things. And he's talking about, this is what I want to create. I want to create health. I want to create um, prosperity. I want to create this and this and this and this. And he said, after studying and researching and implementing, he said, clean water is health. If you, if you do one, you have both. And he says, in a way that kind of simplifies things because that way we just, we just focus on, let's make sure that people have clean water to drink. And then that takes care of everything. Now here in the United States, we have clean water available, but a lot of times people don't want to drink it because it's so boring. You got to put something in it. Um, but just water is is fantastic.
1: Well, it's life.
0: Water is. There? You
1: know, when we're when we're planting a tree, when we're putting a seed in there, we water it. You know, it's giving life to that seed and allowing it to bear fruit at some point in time.
0: Wow, what a beautiful thought! And that reminds me of a recent conversation I had with someone who was talking about manifesting, and he said your thoughts are your seeds, and every time you think about it, that's watering the seed. So it kind of it's interesting how this conversation and this conversation and this thing all kind of pull together because truth, you know, really does fit into one whole. What a lovely thing.
1: Yeah, this is such a great intro, Linda.
0: have <laughs> started. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. So let's start with you because you talk about stories and the power of stories and your podcast is even about stories. What's your story? So let's hear your story.
1: Yeah. Um. So I call myself a life orchestrator and a solopreneur. And it essentially started when I was, I have a PhD in environmental engineering and I've done water, uh, you know, physical water treatment uh, back in those days, like about 10 years ago. And uh, I worked as a consultant for a couple of years. I didn't really enjoy it. Towards the last six months of that uh, period, I had these really uh, strong pains in my solar plexus. Uh, and yeah, and at that time I wasn't spiritual. I was, you know, very physical, very materialistic. Uh, and but this is one thing that I did at that time as well. I had this practice of asking myself, what is this pain telling me? You know, asking that question. And this is all unconscious or subconsciously happening. Uh, and the, the answer I kept getting is that this job no longer has meaning for you. Uh, even though it was dealing with the public health infrastructure, it was literally focusing on the clean water that we drink. Uh, and just, that's a public health uh, infrastructure. Uh, but I felt like I wasn't making a difference. You know, uh, whatever I did was maybe a 0.2% difference in the grand scheme of things. And I said, you know, what? there's something greater for me out there. So I want to explore. And at that time I made a decision, but again, there was a lot of forces against me, you know, my parents coming against me like, hey, you studied for 10 years to get your Ph.D. and now you're going to leave all of it behind. Uh, that does not make sense. You're scratching their head. So it took me some time to convince them And finally I was able to a couple of months later. And the day I gave in my notice, I, I gave it a five week notice. Normally you give a two week notice. I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. I gave a five week notice. Uh, And the minute I turned in the letter, I felt relieved. All of that pain just went away. It just dropped from me. I realized, okay, I'm walking in the right direction now. Uh, But I didn't know what I wanted to get into. I had no idea. I just was walking blind. Uh, At that time, I got into storytelling. Uh, One of my friends, he was a a screen uh, film screenwriter. And he was writing scripts for movies. And I was like, you know what, let me dive into this. So I picked up a couple of books. There was a book called Story. It's on a shelf behind me. And they talk about how do you, how can you write better scripts? Uh, so I picked it up and it, you know, movie life is literally like real life. So whatever he talks about movie principles is real life principles as well. So I started applying some of those concepts to my real life. Uh, stories. And that's how the idea that... Um, stories are every moment of our life. We're creating stories. Uh, so, you know, reading that book and then simultaneously diving deeper into meditation. This is when I first picked up meditation. I'd gone through uh, a rough breakup along with uh, as I was graduating. And so the two years that I was in Idaho, I was literally in my dark phase, my shadow, uh, doing my shadow work because I'd just gone through this heart breakup and I was... Uh, in pain, suffering. Uh, that's when I picked up Deepak Chopra and started reading some of his work, uh, and then that's when meditation came to me. So I picked up meditation, dove deeper into it. Now this is seven, six years later. Last year, uh, I came up with this idea of how stories are every moment of our lives. So what do I, what do I mean by this? Uh, you know, when we try to make sense of a situation, when we try to put the pieces together. We're trying to come up with a story, you know, we're making a sense of it, but that story could be anything, you know, we could, there are a thousand possibilities, a million possibilities to, uh, connecting those dots, but we tell a particular story based on our past experiences, based on what is stored inside our body. Uh, so I'll give you an example, let's say like an analogy. So let's say we're in a movie theater and we're watching this movie on on the screen, the screen. Uh, is where the movie is shown, but the screen is an instrument to to show the movie, so we're able to watch what's in the film. There's a projector back there that's projecting this film onto the screen. Similarly, in our life, at every moment, we have a projector right here. It's called the third eye. That's where the imagination happens. So our imagination is that projector that's taking our film, whatever our film is, every person has a different film, a different programming, Whatever that programming is, is fed into this projector and it's going out into the screen. The screen is what? The people, the places, the situations, all of these different things in our life. That's each and each an individual thing is a screen that we have created. And our uh, the projector projects this script, the film that comes in from inside of us onto each and uh, every person in our lives. So that's the story that we are telling about that person. That's the story we're telling about that situation. That's the story we're telling about that place. And, you know, all of this came through my meditations.
0: Wow. That is amazing. Oh, gosh. Okay, so this third eye, I'm, I'm trying to follow along and get this picture in my head of this third eye and this imagination and what we are interpreting constantly, everything that is going on. That is so insightful because I think a lot of times we think, That what we see and what we are seeing is what is. And don't recognize that we are interpreting things. Like you and I, we could be at a party together. We could be talking to the same people, eating the same food, experiencing, and yet come out with completely different stories about what just went down. And I loved how you talked about, this is how I see this person. And this is how I see this situation. And again, this is so helpful in relationships because a lot of times we come in and we already have a story created about this person. Like, oh my gosh, this person is such a jerk. They're always looking for things. Da, 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 da. And then it doesn't actually matter what they say or what they do, but we put that story onto them and say, see that word right there, that meant that. Da, 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 da. And then you create this whole narrative that goes along with it. And most of us are doing it without even being aware. We think that that's reality. Crazy.
1: That is so true. And uh, that's what my meditation was about, was understanding or being aware of the stories that I am creating. You know, so it's it, it literally taking a step back from my life and putting myself in this cave, uh, closing myself off into darkness and paying attention to myself.
0: Wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. Now that makes another connection to another person that I was talking with. She's a marriage counselor. And she says, you know, when you talk, sometimes you come up with, you know, someone says this and you create that story about it. And she says, sometimes verbalizing that is helpful. And the way she says it is, okay, what I make up about what you just said is, and then you say what it is. And then they have a chance to say, no, 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 that's not what I meant at all. What I meant was, so recognizing, becoming aware, and then verbalizing so the other person is in on your story, so you can kind of make those corrections and say, well, let's, let's make my story match what's really going on a little bit better.
1: Wow, that's such a beautiful practice. And uh, that's like co-creating stories together. You know, like you and I are sitting in, in together and we're creating the story together as opposed Absolutely. to each individually creating their own stories.
0: Yes. And I am loving this. Oh my gosh. So let's talk a little bit more about some of your story. And I can just imagine as a parent, your parents are thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what are you doing with your life? We love you. We care about you. We want you to be happy and successful. And we thought you were, and now you're going on this totally different path. So I can just imagine what their uh, third Eye was thinking on this sort of thing, and how courageous you were to step forward and to move and to do when you didn't know what the next step was. That was amazing. And I also, I, I'm fascinated by by um, psychosomatic that that one, the way that our body speaks to us. And it used to be that people, when they used that word, they thought it meant basically hypochondriac. Like, there's nothing actually wrong with you. It's just all in your head. And now there's with that greater awareness, it's no, our, our mind and our body are communicating. And if we're not listening and we're not paying attention to what's going on, then the body might speak louder and louder and louder until you have to stop. I've talked to people who have, who have been flat bedridden because they knew they were supposed to do something different and it was scary to do something different. And so they didn't. Until their body said, you do this or you're not getting out of bed. And then they thought, okay, fine, I'll try something different. So amazing.
1: That's exactly what happened with that pain. So uh, this, that was a recurring theme. So let's say I was in my uh, my undergrad and in between my undergrad and my master's, I went for an internship. It was a three month summer internship. And while I was in that internship, I realized I didn't want to do this anymore. Oh that was a consulting job that I had, like literally what I was doing two, uh after I graduated from my PhD for two years. I already had that thing, that feeling, that insight from my body was telling me that I don't feel like doing this anymore. It was a desk job sitting in front of a computer, working on Excel. I was like, I don't care about this. I'm not making a difference and this doesn't feel right. And that was the reason I extended my master's into a PhD. So instead of graduating within a year, I said, no, I'm just going to stay in school longer and be here for another four years because I didn't know any difference. I didn't, I thought the next step was to go into that kind of, that environment of a job because, you know, traditionally that's what after you graduate, you get a job. I and mean, you, you know, so I was following that path. Uh, so when, when I told my parents that, look, I'm looking to do something different in life, they couldn't understand it because, so one reason is my dad, he was an entrepreneur back in his days before I was born even and he lost some money from it. So he's had a bad experience with it and that's mm-hmm. kind of stuck in his mind. Uh, and once I was born, that's when he started a stable job that what I, you know, what I was doing, but I didn't really care about. Um, and so he had, he had this experience that, hey, I wasn't successful in business. So I you know, I fear for my son when he gra- when he's uh, you know, leaving this job and going into nothing, uh, what's gonna happen? So he had that fear in the back of his mind And that's where he was coming from. And I realized that I said "Dad, you know, this is a feeling that I'm getting from my body, you know, that that's what the pain was. Now, the pain was that physical feeling like you can't get away from it. You have to do something about the pain or live with the pain for the rest of your life if you stay with this job. And so that pain was what was what I got the message two years or four years ago at the job. But I didn't hear it. I didn't listen to it. And I went back into it. And then finally, I was like, you know what? I have to deal with it now. And that's what caused me to leave that job and just jump into whatever. And I realized at that time you can teach yourself everything because what I did on that job, I taught myself, uh, even though I had a PhD and all of that, it was kind of a continuation, but you learn new things. And so you keep learning. I said, whatever you get into, you could definitely pick it up and you will, you will succeed in it. So I had that in the mind, but then, again, there was no income coming in. So there were a lot of fears behind that, like, oh, where's the next, you know, how am I going to pay my rent the next uh, and all of that. So it was, it was a lot of, a lot, a lot of stories going on simultaneously, pulling me in different directions, but I was excited. Also had a lot of fear behind me.
0: Isn't that interesting? And I've heard the word fear mentioned several times that your father was motivated by fear, but he was also motivated by love and concern. And so sometimes the, uh, what we feel like we're not getting support from our family from people that we care about, they're coming from a place of fear and doing their very very best to from their perspective of supporting us, even though it might not feel like support so that's kind of interesting, and how beautiful to be able to move forward anyway that's fascinating that you recognized early on that this is not what you wanted to do, and yet your the method of of, uh, handling that fear of prolonging school is fascinating. I think that's amazing. My husband, he was told from the time he was a little boy, you're going to be a doctor. You are a doctor. You're a doctor. You're a doctor. And so he always thought, okay, I'm going to be a doctor. And he went to college and he was doing his pre-med stuff. And he did, I wasn't really an internship. It was sort of a, I don't know what they call it, but they had to go and interview doctors and talk to him. And as he was in these interviews, he realized, he said, I don't want to do this. I have never been interested in doing this. I love airplanes. I have loved airplanes since I was four years old. I'm going to be a pilot. I mean, he already had his private pilot license, but he says, this is my career. This is my life. This is what I love. And his mother did not appreciate that because she robbed him of the chance of saying, my son is a doctor. And she held a grudge for a very long time. But it came, again, I'm sure from a place of, of love, doing the best she could. Um, but my husband's happy. So.
1: I think at the end, that's what really matters is as long as he's happy and, you know, and you're happy in the situation as well. Uh, I mean, I, I really love how he followed his passion. He was like, no, I don't want to do this. Uh, you know, when he was shadowing other doctors, he was like, I don't want to do this. And he saw that sign, he read his body, and uh, he moved forward with it. And that's, that's amazing.
0: Isn't that cool? Wow. Okay. I'm loving this. Okay. So I know what you're not doing, but I'm not totally clear on what you are doing. So I know you're doing some health something, something, and you're teaching people. I would love to talk about your humanitarian efforts, which I think are amazing. Feeding so many people, 150,000 plus meals so far. Um, So I I want to hear what you're doing and tell me about this awesome feeding the world thing.
1: Uh, thank you. So uh, what I'm doing is uh, I realized that my purpose is to help people in uh, how to live a better life. And that can mean, that's a vast definition, but uh, that is essentially body, mind, spirit, uh, physical, you know, just taking care of it in every different way. So we've created programs like meditations. Uh, we've created, uh, so that's for the mind. and we've created uh, a physical cleanse for the body, uh, which is a superfood cleanse. Uh, we've created a herbal tea, uh, a, gu- a couple guides, like a mental affirmation guide, and then another one for a 30 day uh, recipe book, which has three recipes uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, all raw vegan uh, recipes in there. Uh, so essentially, that is helping uh, people live a better life and a healthier life. Along with that, I have this What's Your Story coaching. i um, creating a digital course on this whole idea of What's Your Story and the end goal is to uh, help people create their own life film. Just like the movie has a film going inside the ca in, in the projector, I'm helping people create their own life film so they can uh, write, write out all of the experiences from their past and how those experiences have affected them in their belief system and how those beliefs possibly, probably still are there today and are tearing out in their life at this very moment. So it's kind of understanding who you are at this moment through looking at all of your past uh, defining moments, all of your past uh, victories, but also downfalls on both sides. So you can gain a better understanding of who you are in this present moment and then create a better future. So you can, you know, instead of going down, you're going up, you know, you're elevating. Uh, so that's essentially my whole life mission is elevating people's lives. Uh, and that's where this humanitarian effort began as well. So early on in the pandemic, March, 2020, again, this is synchronicities and everything. So I'll start before that. So February, 2020, I was in India. I was visiting my family and for business, looking at different products and things like that. And I came across this, uh, I went to another city visited for to visit a family member and he had mentioned uh, someone like a spiritual guru that he is closely associated with. So I said, you know what? I want to meet this person. So I go meet him. And in India, he's like the guru's guru. All of the high-level gurus go to him for advice. But he's he kind of works in the background. So he's not very well-known. Uh, and I kind of told him that, hey, I'm working on this meditation center. Uh, you know, we're giving daily classes. And he mentioned, you know what? Something that you could add to your meditation center is provide food every day. Fresh, fresh meals prepared on on site and provided if you have the capabilities for it I said okay that's a cool idea so now I come back I land back in America five days later America shuts down and I get a call in April 2020 like hey we have someone who has a lot of who has a lot of donation funds he's looking to do some good work you know, everything's shut down people have lost their jobs what can we do? Uh, so one of the ideas was, hey, let's provide groceries of, you know, raw rice, beans, sugar, oil, whatever we can put together. Let's prepare 400 bags every Sunday and have a drive through where people come in and pick up these groceries from us. So these are people that have a car, have a house, but they don't have basic su- supplies because they don't have a job anymore. Uh, so we started with that. A couple of weeks later, we said, hey, there are also people out there on the street. There are people out there who don't have meals so then we started making fresh meals and we started with 100 meals 200 meals every sunday so we were giving 400 grocery bags and then about uh, three 400 meals every sunday Uh, and then we uh, over six months we switched we uh, moved every all our efforts into the hot meals and stopped the fresh groceries and so we continued that all the way through 2021 And we will be continuing all of that all of of that all the way through to 2022. Uh, Every Sunday, we're providing 1500 to 2000 meals in this L.A. community. Uh, A lot of them, at least 50, uh, 30 percent of the meals go to Skid Row, uh, where, you know, we have a large homeless population uh, that uh, needs a lot of help. So we provide help there. But then it also goes to about 20 other cities uh, surrounding L.A. uh, And, uh, you know, it's been helping a lot of people. And we are excited about, you know, continuing this all the way through to 2022.
0: I love it. That is amazing. So one of the things you do a a vegan, right? And you're talking that the things that you mentioned, you've got some rice and some beans and sugar and some oil. By using some basic supplies, you're not only giving nutrition, but it's economical and you're able to feed more people. And I think it's really neat when you said that you had recipe books for for different things. I I think that's helpful because most people don't know what to do if you just give them some rice and some beans and some sugar and some oil. So that also is fantastic. What an amazing thing you're doing. What, what, What kind of building do you have that you're able to create that many meals? And how do you get them to people? I mean, logistically, I'm a little overwhelmed.
1: Uh, so we have a community center, uh, and you know the, the same funder, the donor that was uh, you know willing to put his funds towards this project, he also has a facility uh, that has a, a hall along with a couple other uh, venues, you know, so event spaces, and then it also has a large kitchen in the back. So that's the kitchen that was available to us, and we said, hey, we could. They uh, they offered it to us, and we said we can make use of it. Uh, We found uh, all of the supplies from local uh, uh, stores. Uh, We've, you know, you uh, helped, Costco has helped us a lot um, in all of the supplies. And then, uh, you know, every Sunday we've teamed up with about 10 to 15 different organizations. Each of these organizations are, they are the actual people who go out into the street helping people, you know, in different cities. Uh, So they come to our facility, pick up the meals from us. And then they distribute it out into their community. So this way we're able to uh, create. You know, what we realized is that there are a lot of organizations that are willing to go out there onto the street and do the the work of giving food to people. But they were struggling in raising the funds to, to fund those meals. So we said, you know what, we could step in right there. We had the funds. We can prepare the meals. And then they can come and pick it up from us and they can distribute it out to the people. So this way we are easing their workload and this way we are also providing some benefit to com- the community in general.
0: Wow, how beautiful to be able to put the pieces together and make things happen because it does take some money to be able to, to do these things. We have to have um, willing hands and willing hearts and we have to have people who are willing to do things and we have to have the means to be able to do it. So how fantastic that you were able to pull all those pieces together and to create something beautiful.
1: That you know, was... one thing I've learned from this is that all of the resources are there. You know, it was like the the money was there, the supplies were there, the facility was there. They were all in their individual silos and it took a team of people to bring them all together, you know, connect the dots so that, hey, we could put this money towards uh, buying these uh, purchasing these supplies and bringing it to this facility and then organizing a team uh, you know our kitchen team is a wonderful team. They come in seven a m every sunday uh sometimes even six thirty and they 're all the way there till ten eleven o'clock preparing these 1500, 2,000 meals uh the last couple Sundays, I was in the kitchen uh, because we were shortage uh, had a shortage in volunteers, so uh, some of uh the the leadership team were like, you know what, we'll help in the kitchen. So we created our own team, and we realized the effort that it takes to put these meals together on a daily basis or on a you know weekly basis. Uh, so I mean, it's it's a magical thing what's happening. You know, all of it kind of just came together. Whenever we had a shortage of volunteers, we had posted out in the, into the community, into Facebook, reached out to friends and family, and willing participants. They're like, yes, yeah, so we will come out. If not this Sunday, will come out next Sunday. We'll be there. We'll help you. I mean, it's it's been an amazing journey. Uh, also, two additional things that we did along the way. So in 2021, we picked out two dates: uh, Thanksgiving Day and uh, Ahimsa Day, which is October second. Uh, the reason it's called uh, Ahimsa is nonviolence. Uh, the reason it's called nonviolence day is because it was Mahatma Gandhi's birthday. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi is the peaceful, uh, nonviolent protester in India. And uh, so on these two days, we put together about 5,000, between 5,000 and 7,000 meals, and we gave it out into the community. Uh, Thanksgiving Day, especially, we put together 6,815 meals uh, in two different facilities that went out to five different counties, all the way from LA down to San Diego. Uh, and 100 miles east in Riverside. So it was a vast area that we covered. Uh, And the reason we did that is, so these are, again, plant-based meals. Uh, We know that a lot of turkeys are being slaughtered on Thanksgiving. So this was to kind of offset the karma that was uh, on that day.
0: Very clever. That is absolutely beautiful. So what did you serve? What is the meal? Because I know what a traditional Thanksgiving meal is. What did you serve?
1: So we try to mimic something that, you know, people would eat traditionally. So we gave out pasta, one of our meals, we, we essentially rotate between three or four different kinds of meals. Uh, We have two rice dishes and two pasta dishes. So we brought, we brought uh, our red sauce with pasta and we did, uh, we gave out a, a dinner roll along with a cookie for dessert and a bottle of water. That was a special Thanksgiving meal. Usually what we do is we give out the pasta dish. Uh And that's usually on every Sunday, that's what we do normally. Sometimes we'll have a water, sometimes we'll have a sponsor who donated their uh, power crunch bars, you know, like a granola bars, we'll have additional things to it. But what we prepare on site every Sunday, is just that the packet of meal.
0: That's beautiful. That is fantastic.
1: So for Thanksgiving, we're like, you know what, let's stretch it a little bit. Let's have a higher budget. Let's give people more than... Just the usual regular pasta so that they can get a full meal, like a Thanksgiving meal.
0: Yes, and have a cookie to go with it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I think having a cookie makes the day just better.
1: Always. Dessert is always, just makes everything good.
0: Absolutely. Oh, what a beautiful thing that you have done and that you are doing. And I love that you're able to pull these resources together. As you are telling this story I love that you mentioned that you came in yourself and worked in the kitchen and that that helped you to realize and appreciate the work that goes into this. I love when we step out and we try new and different things, even if that's not something that we're going to do all the time, that it increases our level of appreciation. I know we built a little addition onto our house and and part of it included this um, cinder block wall, part this foundation. And you see cinder block walls, they're really ugly and they're everywhere. And I, as we worked on it, it was like, that was so hard. It was so hard to keep it level. And those blocks are so heavy. And for months afterward, every time I would see a cinder block wall anywhere, I thought, oh, look at that beautiful wall. I know how much work went into that. These people are amazing. It just increased my my level of appreciation for, for the work and the skill that goes into things that otherwise just take for granted.
1: Yeah, this was 18 months into it. That's when I was actually stepped into the kitchen. I'm like, wow, it takes a lot of work. I was finally able to appreciate you know, what the kitchen team does on a day in and day out.
0: How fantastic. Oh, well, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for feeding people. Thank you for connecting the dots in such a beautiful way and helping people become aware of what's going on. And thank you for visiting with me today.
1: Oh, definitely. Thank you so much, Linda. You know, that's part of the life orchestration that I do. So it's like orchestration on many levels. It could be a business, which is, you know, the products that we've created. Uh, so I've taken an idea all the way into materializing it into a physical form along with, uh, Hey, life orchestration people, this, what's your story is, you know, helping people manifest better stories in their life and empowered stories, you know, uh, picking out a direction that they're walking in and, you know, making that happen. Let's, let's walk in that direction together. Uh, and, uh, or manifesting different ideas all the way into its physical form. So it's like orchestration on many different levels.
0: Wow. And that matters so much in creating a beautiful life.
1: Yeah, it does. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's the essence of a beautiful life is, uh, you know, like Viktor Frankl has this, uh, he had written this book uh, after he got out of, out of uh, Auschwitz and he said that the main thing that kept him alive all the way through was having that sense of purpose that I'm going to see my wife at the end of it uh, at some day. So he held on to that vision and that purpose. He woke up with that purpose every day, helping people, doing everything that he had to do. But he got through every day uh, with his you know, sanity in, in place because it's easy for people to flip the script on, you know, in, in a concentration camp
0: absolutely and i love that book and i love the quotes from that book and he talked about how you can get through any how if you have a why if we have a purpose in our life then everything else we're okay we can get through things that statistically they thought there's no way people can't survive this and yet they did
1: yeah it's the why
0: yeah having a why well thank you thanks for having a why
1: You know, it it took a long time for me to figure out what that why is. All of all those times that I was working in the consulting job, that was not my why. But there was something inside of me that said, hey, this is not your why. Go figure what that is. So then I started walking in that direction. And there was a lot of struggle along the way to figure out what that why is or understand it for myself
0: you finding your why is helping a lot of other people. So that is so beautiful. I love when people pay it forward and make the world a better place by really realizing their own dreams. I think that's fantastic.
1: You know, when we, when we go, we're not taking anything else with us, you know, so it's whatever you have, just give it away.
0: Wow. What a beautiful reminder. In closing, I'd like to share a quote from Mahatma Gandhi. He said, true ahimsa should mean complete freedom from ill will and anger and hate and overflowing love for all. Today, I invite you to make the world a better place by showing respect for all living things and avoiding anger and hate toward others. I invite you to practice ahimsa. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org.